Well, good morning, church. How are we? So glad that you are with us this morning. Listen, I want to start by repeating something that we said last week, and it's this. That November is our month as a church, Mannheim BIC's month, to collect food and non-perishable goods for the, the Mannheim Central Food Pantry. And this is an opportunity for us to respond in a very simple way to show the love of Jesus, but talking to an absolutely real need in our community. And so in your bulletin is a list of of the kind of of items that the food pantry is looking for. And if you go outside these back doors to your right, there are two tables there where you can drop off the items that you bring in. And so I want to challenge us this year. I would love to see us absolutely bury that table with food as a way to show love to our neighbors here in Mannheim. So challenge thrown down. This morning we are in the last Sunday of our series on the Holy Spirit. And so let me bring us up to speed. Over these last couple of weeks, we've talked about the the, the who and the what, who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And we seem to, to keep coming back to this phrase. As the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus to you, know that the Spirit will aim to magnify Jesus through you. Right, And here's what this means. In the Bible, the Spirit is found lifting Jesus high, making much of Jesus, magnifying Christ. Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 14, He, the Holy Spirit, will bring me, Jesus, glory, but by telling you whatever He receives from me. So we see the Spirit lifting Jesus high, proclaiming Christ, magnifying Jesus in Scripture, but we should also see that in the way that we live our lives. The way that we've said this is that it's the Holy Spirit that that brings cold, dead, sin-stained hearts to life to allow us to see the majesty and the beauty of our King Jesus. It's the Spirit that gives good gifts, these abilities to the church so that we can step fully into our mission to, to proclaim Christ, that the rescuer has come. That the rescuer has lived a perfect life and gives us his record and takes our sin-stained record and pays the penalty for that. And then conquers sin, conquers death, comes back from the dead and offers you and I new life, offers you and I forever life. This is the gospel. And and for the church to, to, to step fully into living out our mission of proclaiming the gospel, of lifting Jesus high, the Holy Spirit empowers the church with supernatural gifts to allow us to do exactly that. It's the Holy Spirit that produces this fruit in our lives so that we can live in an overdrive, supernatural kind of way so that that in our lives, as we face these situations where the typical reaction isn't love and joy and peace, yet we have love and joy and peace, and someone rolls up on you and says, hey, why is your life different? That You can say, well, let me tell you about my Jesus. And so one way or another, the Holy Spirit is is always going to bring glory to Jesus, is always going to magnify Jesus. 
This is what the Holy Spirit is up to. And if you want Holy Spirit power in your life, and make no mistake about it, you are designed, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are meant to live in and to walk in Holy Spirit power in your life. If you want Holy Spirit power in your life, are you looking to magnify Jesus in your life, in your family, at your job, at your school, in your neighborhood? As the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus to you, know that the Spirit will will aim to magnify Jesus through you. And the question that we've danced with over these last couple of weeks is, this is the Spirit's agenda, is it yours? Two weeks ago, we talked about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we looked at specifically Paul's encouragement to us coming out of Ephesians chapter 5. Paul writes, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we called out from this verse is that Paul does not give us five quick and easy steps on what it means to be filled with the Spirit. But rather, what Paul does is he pushes us to be filled with the Spirit through relationship with the Spirit. I took this out of my notes from two weeks ago. The little translation here in Ephesians 5 is be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul is stressing the continuing, ongoing nature of being filled with the Spirit. The Spirit's filling is not meant to be a once and done thing, but rather a moment by moment thing. That you are allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way in your life right now in this moment and right now in this new moment and in the next moment and in the moment after that. Being filled with the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to guide your life indicates real life continuing relationship. And so last week, Daniel spoke, and and he talked about what that that really looks like, what that filling, that relationship with the Spirit looks like as we look to allow the Spirit to lead our lives in a very real way here in 2017. And this morning, I'm going to come at at, at the same thing, and we're going to explore what that filling, what that relationship is to look like for us as a church as our life together plays out in 2017. And so I want to I get us there this morning by asking a question, and the question is this. We are coming up on the end of a year. What's the gutsiest thing that you've done in 2017? I'm going to give you a second to think about this. going to jump to another question. Think about this one because we're going to come back to this. Right. That second question is this, what is your appetite for gutsy moves? So I've got a scale for us. Where do you land on this scale? If you are planning to go skydiving after church, probably a 9 or a 10 on this scale. If for you you're thinking, okay, today's Sunday... Tuesday is in two days, it's Taco Tuesday, but I think I'm going to eat spaghetti. You're probably a one or two on this list. Took you a while to get that one. So where are you at on the scale? Let's jump back to that first question. What's the gutsiest thing that you've done in 2017? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 60 seconds, turn to that person beside you, and share the gutsiest thing that you've done this year. 
Go. If you haven't switched over yet, do so. I'll give you like 10, 15 more seconds. All right, let me call you back. I told my family that I was going to ask this question, and they said, well, what's your gutsy thing to me? And I said, I don't know. And then they said, well, maybe it's that we got a puppy yesterday. And I said, I said, that might not be gutsy. That might just be stupid. (laughs) Seeing that it's almost winter. But man, is she cute. So I, I would love to be in on your conversations to find out what your gutsy thing is. But let me get to the point here. That scale that we looked at, I wonder how we would answer the question, what is MBIC's appetite for gutsy moves? And if I'm going to push on that, the real question I want to ask is, what should be MBIC's appetite for gutsy moves? Are we meant as a church to play it safe? Are we meant as a church to be a Taco Tuesday kind of church? Or are we meant to be a jumping out of airplanes kind of church? And I'm convinced that the way that you answer this question for MBIC, it's predicated on where we are as a church, where we are placing our confidence, where we are placing our reliance. But if I go back to my prior example, as gutsy as jumping out of airplanes sounds to most of us, you do not take that jump unless you have absolute and complete reliance in your gear. That you know that your chute is going to deploy because if you had any doubts about your gear, you would not take that jump. And so this question about a gutsy move for us as a church, it really is a reliance question. You'll never make a gutsy move unless you have full reliance anchored to something, or in our case as a church, to someone. Holds true for jumping out of airplanes. Holds true for moving to India like Natalie. Holds true for us as a church. And that this morning gets us to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul tells us where he's anchoring his reliance and his confidence And it's anchored in the power of the Holy Spirit. But before we read our scripture, let me pray for us. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we come to the scripture and read, open our eyes. As we've been singing all morning, may your spirit be fierce among us. May we see what you would have us through these scriptures and may we respond in obedience. May we respond in surrender. We ask all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 
So here's the backstory on what we're about to read. So, so Paul opens this letter to this church in Corinth, and, and there are, are multiple problems, multiple issues with this crew. And the very first issue that he goes after is the fact that there are cracks showing in the unity of this church family. And as Paul will always do, and I love this about Paul, but he goes after those issues by making a beeline to Jesus. And Paul's reasoning is if there's only one Jesus, it makes absolutely no sense that Christ's followers are dividing up. It makes no sense that Christ's followers are fighting each other. Paul is calling out the fact that there is absolutely no room for divisions in the body of Christ. And as Paul does this, he calls out that he realizes that people are looking for different things. This is in verse 22 of chapter 1. And Paul says, I know that the Gentiles, these people who are not Jewish, I know that they want to be impressed by, they want to be convinced by dynamic and charismatic teaching. Right? We come into church wanting the same thing. Paul, Paul says, I know that the Jews, right, they, they want to be impressed by, they want to be wowed by supernatural emotional experiences. We come into church wanting the same thing. And Paul admits, I know that people want charismatic teaching, and I know that they want to be wowed by experiences, but here's how I showed up. That brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Paul writes, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except who? Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message And Paul has just told us what his message is, right? His message is straight up Jesus. And my preaching, the delivery vehicle for that message, were very plain rather than using clever and persuasive speeches. And let me add to this based on how we do church in 2017. right? Rather than using the the hippest worship music that brings us to new emotional highs, And rather than using the the latest generation technology in in sound and lighting, and rather than putting a coffee in your hands or or church programming that addresses your your every need or, or, or super charismatic teaching on a Sunday morning, Paul doesn't use any of this. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I'm purposefully not going there so that you can see the real power source here. I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Those last couple of words, power of God, Paul tells us what this is back in chapter 1. In, in verse 18 of chapter 1, Paul says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. In other words, it's the message of the cross, it's the gospel that is the very power of God. And again in verse 24, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Right? We have it here again, that that it's Jesus, how God has loved us through his son, that's the power of God. And so if we jump back to verses 4 and 5, Paul is saying, listen church, I brought to you this message about Jesus. 
And all that Jesus has done calls it the power of God. And so you don't trust in your own ability, but trust in him. I came to you with my reliance anchored fully on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so here it is once again, the Holy Spirit's power being the vehicle through which Jesus is proclaimed and lifted high. Does, does that sound familiar at all? Can I have that slide? That was a subliminal message. It's a thing we've been talking about over and over through this series. So Paul's reliance as he's, as he's working in, as he's active in this church at Corinth, Paul's reliance is anchored fully on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if we truly understand this, it has everything to do how we answer this question. What should be MBIC's appetite for gutsy moves? This question is fundamentally and absolutely a reliance question. But before we answer this question, I want to say two things that are sort of kind of the same thing. Number one, when I'm talking about the, the, the spirits leading in our church, it's easy for us to let ourselves off the hook here. If you're sitting here this morning and thinking that, that what we're talking about is for our staff and for our leadership board and not for you, it's absolutely the wrong answer. MBIC is not our staff. MBIC is not our leadership board. MBIC isn't me. MBIC isn't even you individually on your own, but rather MBIC is us. It is all of us together. And if we are called at this church, at MBIC, to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and not on our own abilities and resources and skills and programming and budget and you fill in the blank, what does that actually look like? So let me give you a couple of quick stories of us in action where I've seen the Holy Spirit move and lead us as a church just over the last couple of months. If you were here last week, Daniel told his story of how he came to be a pastor here at Mannheim BIC. This time last year, being on staff here wasn't even on Daniel's radar, and so I thought it'd be fun to tell the other side of the story, how God led our church to Daniel. So four years ago, I, I was the faith formation pastor here at Mannheim BIC, and then Pastor Greg Funk left, things happened, and here I am. And so that, that role, we didn't replace my role, my, my full-time faith formation pastor role on staff. Instead, we created a hybrid role, executive pastor slash faith formation pastor that, that Dustin jumped into. But we knew that the day was coming when, when that role needed to once again be a full-time pastoral role, and that day happened to come in 2017. And it's in 2017 that Daniel's looking for his what's next for he and his family. So he's back in the area, and we have lunch, and he's telling me that, that nothing has opened up for him in, in church jobs, and that he's starting to look at getting his CDL or going back into carpentry. And I'm sitting there thinking, why hasn't a church picked this guy up yet? He's obviously talented. 
He's obviously articulate. He's got way more ministry credentials than I do. He's all about living for Jesus. And so I'm sitting there at lunch knowing that we've got this job that's about to open where we're really looking for someone who will pour into and train and equip and empower our adult faith formation leaders, our Sunday morning leaders, our, week, our weekday leaders, our small group leaders, someone who will especially encourage you to live for Jesus outside of these four walls. And guess what Daniel's been doing for years as a missionary overseas? Exactly that. And so I drop, well, we actually have a job that's coming open here at, at Mannheim BIC, and it's exactly the role that I found out later that Daniel, about four years ago, said, man, that would be a cool job to land in. And so Daniel sends us his resume, and, and our hiring process is like, I don't know, 25 different steps. You're going to sit down, you're going to talk to Dustin and I face-to-face, and we're going to give you written questions, and you're going to meet with our leadership board, and you're going to meet with our staff, and you're going to meet with, with key volunteers in the area in which you'll work. And all of that feedback we use to make our hiring decision, and of course, we are stoked to now be a couple months downrange from that decision, and that God did leave Daniel to our church. So the reason I'm giving you all this background information is when, when we think of the spirits leading in our lives and in our church, and we're talking about someone getting a new job or the church offering a job to someone, these are big things, yet, yet these big things, what look like big dramatic steps in the spirits leading are so often small, simple steps. Having lunch with Daniel. Daniel sending us his resume, Daniel sitting down for a bunch of conversations, that there's nothing overly dramatic here, yet the Spirit was leading through that process. As we walk those simple steps, leading in Daniel's life, leading in the life of our church, because on both sides of that hiring decision, for Daniel and for us, we were both that entire time asking the Spirit to lead us and watching for how that would materialize, and then responding in obedience to what we see. And that can be a lot of, God, I'm not sure where you're moving here, but I think it's this direction. So I'm going to give forward momentum to that, but the whole time I'm holding this thing out saying, God, if this isn't you, shut this thing down. It goes back to what we said two weeks ago, that that being filled with the Spirit, following the Spirit's leading, it's not five quick and easy steps, but it is really consistent, continuing, ongoing, conversational relationship with God, where we allow the Holy Spirit to have His way in our lives moment by moment. And, And if we will do that, saying, God, what are you up to? God, show us what we should do. God, what would you have us do? God is faithful to answer that prayer. Another story. One of our our MBIC vision points is that we will push prayer deep into our environments. We will pray as our first response, not the option that we turn to after we've expended our own resources and energy and ideas. Our vision points at Mannheim BIC, not rocket science, just pulling from what we see from the life of Jesus and also from the early church. And so we're looking at, okay, if that's the vision point, but how do we make this real, make this tangible in our life together? 
And one of the ways out of that prayer vision point that, that we're looking at to, to make that, that prayer just such a huge concept in the life of, of, of the church, to make that real among us is one of the things that we said is we want to find a way for churches to pray together. But honestly, I've got no idea what that looks like. I know that when churches do pray together, that, that God moves in power, but I've got no idea what that looks like. And so this last spring, middle of the week, Andy Nelson comes to church, sits down in my office and says, hey, I want to get churches together to pray as part of the Mannheim Project. Can we do that? And so I say something like, um, yeah, I think that's something that we can actually get behind. And that first conversation became a second conversation, became a number of meetings, became connecting with Pastor Bill to resource this effort, became connecting with Ryan Shank to resource this effort, became meeting with other churches that, that were taking part in the Mannheim Project, and Andy got to share his vision there. And the whole thing culminated back in July where nine churches showed up and together took an evening to pray for God to move in power here in Mannheim. Prayer event. Kind of a dramatic thing, but really lots of small, simple steps. Yet the Spirit was leading through those small, simple steps, leading Andy, leading our church. On Friday, I actually emailed Andy and said, hey, can I share that story? And he fired back, hey, I'm sitting in a tree stand here in Tyler County. And he said, you know what? He said, I was just telling the, the Wednesday evening guys this story, and he said, I felt the Spirit leading me, and I could not say no to that. So Andy's responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and MBIC was able to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and the churches in the Mannheim Project were, were able to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Again, the whole time, all of us asking the Spirit to lead us, watching for how that would materialize, and responding in obedience to what we saw. Last story. Again, this one comes out of our prayer vision point as well. Our prayer team that you'll see down front now on Sunday mornings, right? We knew that we wanted to launch a prayer team, but I don't have any clue as to how that's actually going to happen. So I Googled it. Just kidding, but not really. <laughs> so I knew that other churches had deployed prayer teams. And I knew that they had to have some kind of guidance online that they used to train their teams. And so I found some, and actually last spring, my daughter Emma was job shadowing a couple of us. And so she actually took that and wordsmithed that and made it our own. And then I, I provided some edits to that, but I knew that I could not drive that team. I'm going in a couple different directions, and if I had to push it, it would never go anywhere. So as I'm praying about this, Ann Tweed's name came to my mind. Ann Tweed is super organized, and I've served on teams with her before, and she's pushed me to pray. And so Ann Tweed agreed to jump onto this team as a coordinator. We've recruited people. We started to train people. And now it's been over a month that, since this team's been in place, and a Sunday has not gone by where, where someone, either in first service or second service or both services, hasn't come forward to have someone pray for them. Because here's the thing. 
if we are going to be a church that is Jesus-centered, and we absolutely live in a broken world, then we have to be a church where it is okay to not be okay. And so if someone says, well, wait a minute, I'm not okay, where, where can I go with that? Well, one of the places that you can go with that is this team that, that deploys every Sunday at the end of our time together. And even when we end, that, ste- that, that team stays up here even to after we close in case you want to come down once we conclude. So let me put in a quick plug here. We are looking for a few more people to actually fill out that team. And if you want to pray as part of this team, give me a shout. My contact information is on the back of the bulletin. But again, starting a new ministry sounds like kind of a dramatic thing, but really lots of small, simple steps. And the Spirit was leading through those simple steps, all of us asking the Spirit to lead us watching for how that would materialize and then responding in obedience to whatever we saw. Sometimes the things that that we'll see is God moving in the miraculous. And sometimes God chooses to respond through those simple, small steps. But for us, asking the Spirit to lead us, watching for that, how that will materialize, responding in obedience to what we see, Right? That allows God to do whatever he's going to do. I could go on with stories, but let me come full circle. Let me come back to our question. What should be MBIC's appetite for gutsy moves? If we are relying on the Holy Spirit's power as a church, and the Holy Spirit is God Almighty, if we are relying on the Holy Spirit and not on our abilities and our resources and our skills and our programming and on our budget, but truly relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, what should be MBIC's appetite for gutsy moves? Honestly, not even a 9 or a 10, but a 15. For us to have an appetite... For, for those gutsy moves under, under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And knowing that MBIC is us, all of us together, my last question for us, my last question for you is this. What can you do to help us be a gutsy church relying on the power of the Holy Spirit? to be a church that's not, not even a nine or a 10, but a 15 on that scale. How can you pray for us? Where can you serve? Where, where can, can you volunteer? How can you give? Where can you lead? How can you invest in this church family to move us to that 15 on this scale? And the way that you answer this question, again, absolutely a reliance question. Where is your reliance? Where is our reliance? If you and I will be careful to to ask the Holy Spirit to lead us, if you and I will be careful to to watch for how that that leading will materialize, if you and I will be careful to, to respond in obedience to what we see, 
Can you imagine what we might accomplish together as a church? Can you imagine what what we might accomplish so that God is glorified, so that Jesus is magnified in us and through us here in Mannheim and beyond? What can you do to move us to be a gutsy church as we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit? Let's pray. Father, it's this question. What can we do that each one of us need to answer individually? Because it's not a, a leadership board question. It's not a staff question. It's not a me question. It is an us question together. What can we do? How do we serve? Where do we serve? How do we give? Where do we volunteer to allow us to be a church that fully relies on your power as we seek to glorify you in all that we do as we seek to magnify your son Jesus? We pray all these things in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior. Amen.